For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or CrestwoodDental.com. This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. Powered by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't ask you if you were even ready. I just went after it. You're so ready. Sorry about that, well, guys. Well, you see Jamie in his three-point stance. <laughs> right. He's well, prepared. That's how you get ready. I appreciate, your, I appreciate you wearing a skirt here, today, too. Thank you for the compliment. Sure, sure. <laughs> All right, speaking of compliments. This is such com- a weird group, man. Know, it really is. That's why it works. That's why we're getting rich off of this. What? Um, by the way, sponsorship still available. Yeah. Absolutely. Add on. Together Credit Union's in. You can be on board as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We Join. have room. We have absolutely. room. Plenty of space is still available. <laughs> I, I want to start off by getting you fired up at me. Oh, God. Because I know you're, you're going to call me a whatever you want to call me, whatever kind of language you, you want to use wow, when Jeff. I say this. But. Last night's game with the Blues and and the Vancouver uh, Canucks, their starting goaltender is a guy named Yuroslav Halak. Yeah, right. I was a big fan of the, the guy Halak Ness monster. Yes, I was a big fan of the guy from a personal standpoint, from a he's a good dude standpoint when he was here in St. Louis. Yeah, because ninety percent of the time, when not I shouldn't say ninety percent of the time, when he lost and it was like oh my god Halak, he was there in front of the microphones, he was there in front of the cameras, and I just to me that speaks a lot about a person. Having said that, last night I wish the Blues would have won one nothing. Because he's the guy I feel bad every time they score. I, I just, I'll tell you Hang what. Hang on I, a minute. And I know. <laughs> I'm digesting this. Hang right. on a minute. I, I, I know I this it. is why I would have never become <clears throat> a professional athlete. I know I'm not the most competitive guy in the entire world. I get all that stuff. But a win is a win, and I don't want to make the feel the, the guy feel bad. Go. Okay, so, Donnie, let's, let's unpack this for a second All here. right, buddy. So, Jeff feels bad for Yaroslav Halak. Am I correct? Is, is that what, what it mean, sounds it like? Seems like that's what, what it's saying. Take from that Jeff, you've already <laughs> said enough. Okay, Jeff, you said enough. I can go. Uh, no, you, you can just uh. sit there for now, please. Uh, and he feels bad that the Blues scored too many goals on Yaroslav Halak. A, I didn't say it like that. <laughs> kind of. Not that's the way really. I heard it. <laughs> I think it might be more the way you heard it, but that's okay. all right. Um, I don't know what's wrong with our friend today. <laughs> we got the doors blown off a seven to two against the Carolina Hurricanes, and the boys finally come out and score first for a change and give up only one goal, and they put the boots to the Vancouver Canucks and looked like a playoff bound team. And Jeff feels bad. <laughs> I'll tell you one, you know, I'll tell you one thing to change the subject here real Thanks. quick. St- still staying on <laughs> Halak, though. They talked about this in the broadcast last night. That dude has almost 300 or he just crossed the 300 NHL games started. Donnie, he was playing. Uh, I've been retired for at least a decade, I believe now. I think the math equals somewhere in that range. I played with Yaroslav Halak in Montreal before he was traded here to the St. Louis Blues. So that just tells you how long this guy's been in the game. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's crazy. I, I, I forgot. I mean, I kind of had thought, I guess, that he had uh, retired or You know what why happened? he stuck around so much? Because he's a nice guy. 
That's why. <laughs> he's a hard worker. He is. Uh, and he's a really good goalie. And the reason he's stuck around is he's never, uh, towards the second half of his career, he's never said, I need to be the starter. I need to be the number one. He's fallen into the background, which is great because he's been able to sign on every year with the team as the 1B goalie or second goalie. He works his, his butt off every day at practice. The teammates like him, to your point. He's a good guy. And he's when he gets called upon, he's effective. Look what he did in Boston for a couple of years. Yeah, Him and Tuka Rask were the one-two punch of the league. So he's done great. And he's he's two tours of duty with Montreal then, right? Didn't he come from Montreal to hear you said? And then didn't he go back to them I, a handful I of years remember. ago? He's I, been a bunch of places. I know he's been to point. Washington. He's been to Boston. I thought, didn't, wasn't he with the Isles? With the Islanders for a while? Possibly with the Islanders. Yeah, I think he was. Hit Robin Lehner. And it's kind of like with you when know. we can never f- remember right, all the yeah. teams you played Johnny, for. Johnny, I can't even remember. So, <laughs> trust me. I'm not going to remember Yaroslav Halak. <laughs> all right. So I, this is a re- – man, I know that this is a simple question, and I, uh, now it's Jamie's turn to, sure. to be mad at me. What the but, heck? I'm but not yo, that man, like, guy. So, you, why, so I got a chance to watch the entire game last night, and that's the Blues that we have been – just wanting to see for so long. They played like they didn't like Vancouver, which we found out after the game. They really don't. Right. Jamie, why does it why do we got to get to this point? That Carolina game pissed me off. That was hot, hot garbage. And then the what what's going on? I, I just don't know the pulse of this team sometimes, man. Yeah, I don't God, I wish I could explain it because I lived it at times too, where you go through these ruts of not that you're like ho hum, because that's not it at all. That's totally disrespecting the players to act like they're just ho hum out there. But sometimes you need a spark. Sometimes you need a little something. You know, like the the season does get long and guys get kind of tired and banged up. And there's there's sometimes where you just don't have it. And I know that any of our listeners would be like, "Well, you're paid lots of money. You gotta have it." I get it. But if you're listening right now and you go to work every single day, there you know there's days you just don't have it. You go to work and you go through the motions, not even on purpose. You think you're doing a great job, but you're not. And I think the Carolina game, um, you know, was a bit of a wake up call that you know the Carolina Hurricanes are a team in the East that are looked at as a serious contender. And then they came in here and asserted themselves. And I think the Blues stepped away from that that game going oh boy if we don't get a little spark here we're going to get dusted all over the place the last part of this season we may not make the playoffs and yeah they have some hatred towards the Vancouver Canucks which is great and it's fun to hear that stuff after the game it's great to hear the players say it specifically because they play them again on Wednesday right so I like that stuff Uh, but the Blues got to find a reason you know I I heard uh this morning on uh, BK and Ferrario over at 101 ESPN and Ferrario, Alex Ferrario, who says, uh, I'd like to be more like Michael Jordan. Just create some kind of a chip on your shoulder. It doesn't even have to be true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just have one somehow, Because in, you know, in the last dance, Michael Jordan talks about, oh, he shook my hand but didn't make eye contact, and I took that personally. Right. Yeah. I put up 50 points. Like it's, I asked for pl- for paper. They gave me plastic. I, I put 60 <laughs> on that team that night. You know, like, like yeah. that. But yeah. does this have anything to do with their coach calling them out and saying they're arrogant and they're looking down well, at teams and all These that stuff? These guys haven't so been works. happy with that, Jeff. Right. Like, can you imagine your, your boss here talking? Tommy Mattern comes in and he gets on the airwaves and says, 
the Rizzuto show in particular, Jeff Burton or, you know, Riz, they're arrogant. They don't take the ratings seriously. But that's literally what he did right. because it's public knowledge that he called his team, you know, arrogant and that they don't. They don't value their opponents. So guys absolutely are reacting. Well, to that. and you did talk about people going to work right now. And yeah, sometimes you have bad days. Those people at, at you know, whatever you work, wherever you work for a living, respectfully, I'm going to say this, you're not failing, if you will, in front of 20,000 people, too. No, you're right. And so the argument that goes back and forth all the time is, well, yeah, but I'm not paid millions of dollars. You're right. But you're also not sitting there in front of 20,000 people just watching your every move, let alone however many people are watching on their regional cable here, Bally Sports Midwest, or through the app or satellite dish. Some people are watching from Brazil. I got a tweet the other night from a young lady saying that we're a bunch of people over here watching in Brazil. Nice. So imagine that being being scrutinized with that kind of, uh, with those that amount of eyeballs on you. And then also somebody trying to put you through the boards at the exact same yeah, time. Yeah, and you're yeah. trying to stand up on a little, you know, one-eighth of an inch of, of metal, metal on the, yeah. on the ice. I, I just feel like if the Blues play with that level of intensity that they did last night, that there's going to be a lot of teams that don't want to play the Blues in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they almost seem, when it got physical there, they almost, I didn't fear if the gloves were dropped. Well, and it And it felt like... <clears throat> The proper response a lot of times that we've been kind of waiting for and hoping for. Not necessarily a fight, not necessarily benches clearing, but you know, man, you're not going to do that. Yeah. You know, and, and it seemed like they it, they legitimately, as a group, seemed crabby last night, and I like it. And I have learned things, obviously, and I say this all the time from listening to this, to this podcast, because we asked the questions of the guy that used to play, and I remember you saying, if something happens, go after their number one guy, go after their star, and how many times did Ryan O'Reilly get a take a hit last night? He was they were more physical on Ryan Riley uh, Ryan O'Reilly than I've seen in a long time. How about Vladimir Tarasenko? Yeah, oh, like, that, man. That never too. mind yeah. his you know his five hundred points. We can get into that for sure. But how about him being physical? Ty, uh, Tyler Myers trying to run him over in the corner. He can't get Big Daddy Vladdy to crumble, and then he goes back at him at center ice. We got a brouhaha going. Vladimir Tarasenko finishing checks with Ivan Barbashev out there. Like, that speaks that volumes. That sequence right there was amazing. But Dude, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah it really and was. And then everybody in grabbing a dance partner and, you know, nobody fought. You, right. Like I've said before, I'm never going to sit here and say, you have to fight. But do things that make people want to fight you. And that's the that's when you're successful as a Blues team. You know, I wanted to ask this, and, and sometimes I get you know nitpicky about the game with you know things I don't know. And Connor Garland was one of those players when he oh, was with God. Phoenix last you're year. You're not a fan, are you? Okay. Well, what I wanted to know. So he got that tripping penalty last night, mm. and that to me seemed like a pretty egregious sort of thing. Can you kind of talk about man like the trip? The knee to knee, like what's the worst there? What was Connor Garland trying to do? And is he a dirty player or is he just the kind of player that we wish we had on our team because he does not care if you like him? Or not? Yeah, uh, yes is the answer to all of that. Okay, <laughs> um, fair enough. You know, he, he's much like a Chris Draper back in the day, where he's fast and can buzz around out there. Uh, probably has more finish as far as offensively than Chris Draper did. Um, but on that particular play, here's what irritated me about that play. It's not the knee, believe it or not, because that's a reactionary thing. 
I've done it. You're lining a guy up, he changes course, and you're literally you're dead in the water, and you're trying to just get a leg out, an arm out, something. It's not a it's not a clean play. It's a dirty play, but it's a reactionary play. What I didn't like is he was lining Cairo up on that play. And if you watch him, he's coming from about 15, 20 feet away, and he's got the knees bent, shouldered, lowered. Like, he's trying to catch Cairo with his head down coming through there. And then Cairo sees him and does a little shake and bake, and that's why he's got to throw it to knee. So I would be more pissed off watching that play as a teammate going, you were trying to, you were trying to bury him. Never mind the knee. You were trying to bury him. So that's why I would went after him a little more. Um Regarding that play, but as far as you know, the knee itself, I didn't think it was a malicious play. Okay. It was a reactionary play, and he would he'd be a good St. Louis Blue if you put him on your third line here. He buzzes around. I mean, he's an absolute you know what. He's stirring the pot out there all the time. Just a total pain in the ass. Yeah, total pain in the ass. And he's got a face that you just get never tired of punching. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, can I can I ask you? And, and I meant to ask this the last two weeks, but I'm dumb and I didn't write it down. Uh-oh. Since the All Star game and since kind of the Jordan Cairo coming out party, if you will, at the All-Star game and stuff. Have you seen the league play him a little bit different? Because it seems like he's getting, like, people are beating on him a little bit more than they they were before. Yeah, as they should. Yeah, 100%. You know, like, you got to react to this guy. If you don't play him physical, you're up in his face and taking away time and space, then you're dead out there. I've noticed a combination of things for Jordan Cairo. One, other teams are playing him tighter and harder and more physical. He has stopped moving his feet as well, too. And he has gone from making simple plays to trying making highlight real plays. And I think that's where some of the frustration is for Craig Berube with Jordan Cairo is he he possesses this ability to skate. And we saw it, the All-Star game. His coming out party, right? Fastest player in the NHL. He hasn't really used it. Think about how many breakaways he's had mm-hmm. recently. Very few. Yeah. Very few. And he was always one stride away from a breakaway. The first half of the season, we were like, I can't believe how many breakaways this guy gets. He's trying to bring the puck back to the middle all the time. And he's trying to slow the play down when he gets to the offensive blue line. If you watch him, I call it water skiing. He plants the feet, and there's no more strides left. He's just like water skiing, stick handling, looking for a play. Or he's looking for the defenseman to lean, and he tries to pull it through his legs and get to the middle. He's getting caught from behind. You look at the Philadelphia game, and in particular the Carolina game, they were all over him. Guys were catching him from behind all night long. You should not catch Jordan Cairo from behind. Why ever. isn't somebody telling him not to do this? Well, they are, Jeff. Oh, they are. He's yeah, just not Craig listening. Craig Berube is absolutely up Probably. one side, down the other, telling him to simplify his game and to skate. And Craig Berube was vis- I mean, you visually saw him down on the bench pointing down the wall to Jordan Cairo, telling him, put the puck down the wall and either go down the wall and, and chase it or jump to the middle and get around the guy and retrieve the puck on the other side. Like It doesn't always have to be going through two or three players to get an offensive chance. Sometimes the easiest play is coming at a guy 100 miles an hour. He's got to respect your speed, so he's kind of sitting back in his rocking chair you chip it off the wall, and now he's got to make a decision. The defenseman, I remember this. I hated when, like, Mike Medano used to do this all the time. Now you've got a decision to make to either turn and try and get the puck, or you have to turn and try and get the man. Now, back in my day, I could turn and just hook Mike Medano, just put the stick out there and hold him up and be like, yeah, you're not going anywhere. Now you can't do that. So that defenseman's dead in the water. If you if Jordan Cairo comes out of, you know, 100 miles an hour and just chips the puck down the wall, the defenseman now has to make a decision of either trying to turn fast and go retrieve the puck or take a penalty. 
Seems Man. pretty simple to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> but right. that's what's okay, so that's what's frustrating. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Is is simple um doesn't necessarily mean sexy for these young guys. Right. Or simple wins hockey games though. So, so man, I'm really curious to know about the relationship between the coach and the players when things are not going super well. Oh, and it's you great, see, Donnie. well, but, but can you kind of like, but you know, when you talk about Barubi, you know, calling the team arrogant to to the press, uh, maybe even the the Cairo thing that we can all see. How does the coach effectively chirp? You know, get up somebody's rear end, but not push the player away. Not do, you know, damage to where the player's like, man, screw this guy, or whatever the case may be. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so this is where it's super important that a coach is consistent, okay? So from the moment Craig Berube took over as the interim head coach in 2018-2019, the first thing he did is he complimented his players. When things were awful here, he talked about how good they are. How, how good of a team they can be and that they're going to get this back together and that they got a great group of guys. And so he, he, the one mistake that a lot of coaches make is all they do is coach the negatives as they react to the negatives and they never, ever compliment the positives. Craig Berube and his staff don't do that. Mm-hmm. They make sure that the positives are just as talked about as the negatives. So that way there, it's just like being a parent, quite honestly, is when you take an opportunity to be angry about something or upset about players or a play, you get the leeway from the team. They respect it, they hear it, and they want to change because you're the same person that compliments them on some stupid little play they made in the first period of a game against the New York Islanders one Saturday afternoon. So you respect it. So when the coach gets pissed off and calls the team arrogant or says, hey, you're not pulling up your socks right now. You need to get going here. You're like, you know what? He's right. I respect it. He's right because he's always the first guy in line to give me the pat on the back, too. It sounds like that that, uh, balancing act when you have children between being their friend and being their parent. Yeah, it's tough. Fair and consistent. And that's why Craig Berube is very much a flatliner type coach. You know, everybody, from time to time, you see him get riled up back there, but not often. Yeah. Not often. At at his angriest moment, you'll see the least reaction from him. And it's because I believe he wants it to always be about coaching. It's not personal. That's amazing. It is. I, he did get pretty worked up last night on that Nick Letty penalty, which was horrible. Well, that was, yeah. was, was a terrible, yeah. okay, but that was, so terrible call. That's a strategy, call. though, as well. Is Scotty Bowman... Um, was one of the best in the business at this. Scotty Bowman never had a referee screw him over. And it's because Scotty played a, a crazy mind game with the referees all the time. Of He never said a word. And his players were not allowed to say anything to the referee unless it came from Steve Eiserman, the captain, or from Scotty telling a player to go. And his thought process behind it was, there's not going to be one referee in the league that thinks we're whiny about calls. And so then when we do react to a call, they're going to know they screwed up. And that's what it was. So you wait in the weeds. You don't say anything. And then all of a sudden, when you now when Scotty takes a step down towards the bench and he's calling the ref over, the ref's like, oh, man. Oh, must crap. Be, this must be something <laughs> big. I, I got to find an even up call here <laughs> in a hurry. Sure. <laughs> and so Craig Berube, no, not that he's applying the exact same strategy as Scotty Bowman. But a lot of times, Chief has been very uh, quiet in the media 
regarding referees. He won't blame the refs, and, and he kind of plays his cards close to his, his chest on that one. But then every now and then you need to have an outburst to let the referees know, hey, that was a really bad call, I'm really pissed off, and you better fix it. Absolutely so. I, I mentioned Nick Letty a minute ago. How do you feel like he's fitting in, in 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 the few games that we have seen so far? And do you think that there is the potential that he could sign here long term? I know I heard that he wanted to, for the first time in his career, test free agency because he has not done that before, from what I understand. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he will. And look, it. Uh, I'm sure the Blues will let him do that. You know, you know, I think that. Uh, I think Doug Armstrong's probably going to wait and see based on the fact that. You know, there might be a contract that currently is on your roster that maybe you wouldn't have extended the way you did, and it was a player that you acquired in Marco Scandella. And maybe you would have waited a little longer and, and kind of seen what happened. Got it. Uh, but Marco Scandella, he's playing pretty well lately. Um, so I think the Nick Letty, as far as the re-signing thing goes, I think it would have to be a really team-friendly deal in order for Army to re-sign him before free agency hit. And he's not going to be looking for that this time around. He's going to be wanting to cash in on his last contract, right? I don't know, because I think his last one was the big one. His last one was like five years, $35 million. And so now he's getting towards the, the back nine of his mm-hmm. career. I could see him taking you know a, a contract that paid him in the 2 to $3 million range per season. He's coming off of what a 5.7 is what his cap hit is right now. So I, th- I could see him taking a haircut, and, but I think it would be years that he would like out of that, maybe two, a three- or four-year deal from somebody. Uh, but I think he's fitting in really good. I really do. Like He's not the flashy player that y- you're going to notice every single time he's on the ice. And that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. not what we need. You do your job. You, need it. you yeah. don't need it. And right now with the absence of Tory Krug, which, by the way, guys, let's just talk about how much that sucks. It really does. You finally get in that Nick Letty. And you play a half a game with Krug and Letty before Krug gets injured. And now, you know, week to week, you know, whatever that means. Um, so it kind of stinks because you're right back in the same position as you were before the deadline of you've got Letty who's, you know, for lack of better words, stepped in and replaced Krug, but you still don't have another Nick Letty in your lineup. So it's a little more difficult. But I like what he's doing. He's calm out there. He's so poised with the puck. Uh, he skates exceptionally well. He's got a little bit of bite to his game. Uh, I'm I'm absolutely uh, thrilled with what he's been doing. What are, you, what are your uh, thoughts on the progression of Nico Mikola? So I love the big fin. Okay, thank goodness we agree on this, or at least you're not going to make fun of me for a comment. <laughs> I, thought he's, I, I have thought over the last couple of games he's looked fantastic. Yeah, but what role is he playing? He, to me, well, he's a defenseman. You didn't know that? Correct. But you really where, need to where do your in research. the batting order, Jeff? We're in the batting order? Yeah. What I thought that was a different sport. Yeah, I thought that was baseball. I thought I would. I thought you would understand a little better. <laughs> Are you saying, like, who is he paired with? Yeah. Uh, Pareko? No. No, he's playing. He played with Robert Bortuzzo for the last handful of okay, games. Okay, but not last night. And last right? night he played with Callie Rose. Okay, okay. But in my opinion, he's playing physical. He's pushing people away from the net. He's going behind our own net and getting the hell out of there with the puck, either with one pass or skating up. And I think that's a big improvement from earlier in the so season. So to my point about where is he playing, mm-hmm. the, that's exactly what I meant by that, is he's playing in a spot where he can thrive. Okay. He, he, he's too young still, too green to thrive in a top four spot. I mean, it's too hard. Night in, night out, playing you know, the Nathan McKinnons, the Connor McDavid's, the Mark Stones, that scumbag. Um, you know, those guys, ever did, those guys uh, that's a little out of his league right now. So when you get into the third pairing, 
you get the third and fourth liners. And right now, Nico Mikola looks like a man amongst boys playing against those guys. And those guys tend to be a little grittier, too. And so it's making Nico Mikola play with a little more grit because he has to respond to that. And it also helps when your goaltender, Vili Husso, tells the young man, hey, you know what? You need to fight a little more. You need to fight a little more. And he did. He dropped the mitts against Farabee from Philly. Of course, the referee, I don't know what the hell he's doing there, but he broke it up before they even got going. But then you watch Mikola play against Carolina. He's in guys' faces. Last night, he's grabbing guys in headlocks. Like, he's not fun to play against. Craig Berube said on, on our show on the fast lane, he's like, he's just, guys don't even like, like him in practice because he's <laughs> annoying out there to play against. And we, we did. We laughed about that too. But again, this, this, this is why it was so important for the Blues to go get a Nick Letty. So he can play where he needs Correct. to play. And then you can get the most out of that player. And that's what's happening. Why would Rosen play last night? Uh, perplexing a little bit, but not really. Well, you know, he's a really good skating, puck-moving defenseman. I think they want to see what they have there. Uh, and I think Robert Bortuzzo needed a night off for whatever reason. I I don't think Bortz has played uh, poorly at all. I think he's been good. I think he's been physical. He's been blocking shots. Craig Berube, his only um, uh, reasoning for it was he said, oh, you know, he's getting older. We just wanted to give him a night off. So uh, take it for what it's worth. Uh, maybe he, maybe Chief saw something he didn't like. Maybe Chief knows that he's bumped and bruised and needed a night off. And or maybe Chief just said, you know what, he needs a night off. I'm not going to read into it yeah. in, until it's two or three or four games later. Right. See, that's something as a sports fan that I need to stop doing. What's that? Reading into anything and everything and anything and everything. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you why. Because I freaked out the other day. And this doesn't have to Wait, do with you the, freaked out. That's hard to believe, Jeff. Stop it. <laughs> stop it. So, it's really hard. Stefan Diggs' brother plays in Dallas. He made a social media post the other day about how he wanted to play with his brother. And Stefan Diggs is also going through a contract renegotiation right now oh, with the Bills. Dallas. So I, for a good 24 hours, was completely sure that I was going to open up my phone and see that Stefan Diggs had gotten traded to Dallas. Right. As opposed to... It just... You I think we all just celebrating to, that they have a new stadium coming, right? Yeah, no, that's that what I heard. No, that's cool too. I'm just in but Toronto. I'm, I'm just oh, get out of here! I what? will. I'm honest <laughs> to God. I will punch you. I know I won't do well, but I, I won't go you down will, without a I fight. I will get at least a shot <laughs> in. <laughs> what is going on? What's wrong with the beautiful city of Toronto? <laughs> hey, man, doesn't Jordan Bennington need to get some some starts here? Yeah, but I I mean. This is a tough one. Yeah, man. You need the points. And it's not like Jordan Bennington hasn't played well. The team hasn't played well in front of him either. And the team didn't play well in front of Ville Husso the other night. And there's been pockets where, you know, Ville Husso's been the victim of it. So the conspiracy theorists of the team doesn't play for Bennington, no. They've just, unfortunately, he's had some games where, you know, the team hasn't been great and he hasn't been great. He hasn't had a game with under three goals in a long time against. And... I, I don't know. The last game he played against Philly, um, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. You know, we talk about all the time how, you know, Jordan Bennington's at his best when his limited movement's quiet in the crease and, you know, he's square to the puck and tracking it and his glove is up higher. It, all of those things were not there against Philly. He was scrambling, sliding back and forth. To, he got beat clean over the glove with a very average to good shot. He didn't even get a piece of it. And that glove's been a problem, right? 
Glove's been a problem. Then one-handed shot that comes in on on the wing. He just kind of flips it at the net, and it explodes off of Bennington right out in front of the net, and the guy buries the rebound. I didn't like. Uh, I didn't like the game. Now that doesn't mean he won't get starts. They do have some back-to-back situations coming up, so he'll obviously get some starts here. And it's up to him. It's up to him at this point. Craig Berube has made it known that Villahuso's his guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. coming back with him again last night after a poor performance against Carolina because he wasn't good in that game either. Uh, but he, you know, Craig Berube's like, this is my guy. I'm going back to him. I know, I know you, Donnie. You wanted to talk about the fourth line in general. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Torpedo. But, uh, yeah, what, Torpo, man. dude. He is a guy that listened to this podcast and and you say. Here's the answers to the question, and mm-hmm. he, I think he's filling what we need. Oh, he he has identified exactly. I think, I think Barbie. I think the other Russian players grabbed him and said, "Hey, listen, man, this is what we need. If you do it, you will stay." Yeah, and that's exactly what he's done. He's running around out there. He is absolutely crushing guys. He's scoring goals. He's creating. He's in the front of the net. He's in a fight. I mean, he yeah, he's not going anywhere. Craig Berube will not. Not, not get rid of that player. How do you see the fourth line shaking out? He will be on it. He'll be on it. Tyler Bozak will find his way back into the center ice there, and then it will be a slugfest to find out who plays on that left wing. I like Nathan Walker. Um, I think that he gets in there, he gets gritty, he gets dirty, but you know what? Mackenzie McEachern's got some speed there. I'd like to see him get a little more physical. Logan Brown brings you a little more skill on that one. So I think the left side on that fourth line will be a lot like how they, they use guys in baseball based on the matchups. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a smaller, faster team, maybe it's Nathan Walker or McKenzie McKecker. If you have a bigger, slower team, maybe it's Logan Brown that gets in on the left wing. And you know, But I don't see Torpchenko leaving the lineup. If there would have been a fourth start of the game last night, um, would you guys have put Pavel Buchnevich in there. I just thought that he had an amazing game, and maybe that was just me because I have a huge crush on that dude. Like he is my favorite player. Yeah, right I like now. the new tattoo. <laughs> but but nice. he just it's very life. Yeah, but again, is. he seemed to be playing. <laughs> he seemed to be playing angry, man. Yeah, he's he is kind of an angry individual, um, and I mean that in the best way. He's all business, and uh, you know he likes to have fun and whatnot. But when he's on the ice, especially lately, he went through a little stretch there where things weren't great. And uh, coming back from a concussion, that happens. Look at David Perron. Took him forever to reboot the computer. Now look at Perry go. Whoa, yeah. baby. You know? Um, and Booch is much the same right now. He, I, I love the way he's engaged physically. I like the way he's playing. He's tenacious on pucks. He's making really solid plays. And, you know, last night playing with Vladimir Tarasenko, I, that was just, it was it was great. It was fun to watch. Okay, so you guys remember the SNL skit uh, with Steve Martin and Dan Wild Agler. and crazy, yeah, yeah, guys. Yeah, sure. Buchnevich could be in that group. Yeah, he could. <laughs> you be. look at his face, you could see the chain and the shirt, and you go, oh, man, he's one of those Absolutely. dudes. Him, I actually, the other night, was talking about this pregame um, before one of the games down there, and I said the same thing, because Torpchenko walked in and then Booch walked in. I said, those are two wild and crazy guys. I like I see a poster. That I'll buy incredible. it, man. Yeah. I will buy the it. The big butterfly collar yeah. on the shirt. Remember the old Hole and Oats posters? Absolutely. We need, a, we need another one of those. Can I tell you something? Probably. Okay, well, I'm going to do it anyway because right. it's part of my podcast. So you guys know that one of my... <laughs> oh, his podcast. <laughs> one wow. of, one of the, There it is. Okay. Again. One of the things in which that I do is <laughs> I collect baseball cards, hockey cards, football cards, things like that. So I run into collectibles all the time and I found I want one of those Hall and Oates posters really bad I found one in mint condition at a card shop for a hundred dollars 
Wow. A hundred dollars. Did you buy it, Donnie? No, I didn't buy it. I don't make morning show money, man. That's Neither true. do I. Who does? <laughs> but, well, there's somebody does. But you just think about how many of those posters were in circulation back in the day. How right. many of us had them? And I saw it and was like, yes, I'm buying. Whoa, that's a hundred dollars. No, just I'm not. for the one Where that's a hundred dollars? It was at a uh, card shop on Manchester. Is it still there? I don't know. It's been a while. I mean, it's been a few months since mm. since I've been in that one. Are you saying no, you want me to buy it for you if I if it's there the next time? Maybe get that fast lane money going. Yeah, oh, baby. see, now yeah. we're talking. Oh, speaking of money, the uh, the the cap dealio thing went up by a million, or it may be going to go up by a million. It's a million dollars. It is. A million it's going dollars. up by a million dollars. Is that really really doing anything for well, for teams? Yeah, or no? I mean, it gives you a little wiggle room. It means you can add another player that's a million dollar player. You know, if you're under the cap right now, even barely, the Blues are barely under the cap. Right. It means that instead of having a $750,000 player, you could add a million-dollar player. And that million-dollar player might be an older, wily vet that, uh, you know, wants to stay and play or move for a different team. But, yeah, all of it. Anytime you can gain cap space, that's a big thing. Do you think that after a full season, like this full season pretty much, well, I guess it hasn't been full for the Canadian teams. I just wonder if it, you know, if that salary cap can go up a little bit. I more think they're than predicting that. that after next season, it'll have a little bump of like three or four million. Oh, okay, and, and it try to they'll see where the numbers go from there, and then obviously if they can get back to a normal revenue trajectory, which would keep that thing going up slowly every year. But, you know, it's to be determined. Very good. All right. Last Minute Blues podcast. Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers, Donnie Fandango. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, The big show brought to you by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. And as always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Powered by Together Credit Union, empowering you to achieve your financial goals. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.